I'm not going to work for somebody who's not respecting what I can give. And so I'm just going to do it myself and then make a place where other people can feel like they can come and work and be respected and taken care of. Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Jess. And today's guest is Dr. Caitlin Goubeau. She is a licensed clinical social worker and entrepreneur. She owns Soundview Wellness, a counseling clinic, along with the Center for Justice Social Work, a for-profit social purpose corporation that trains master's level social workers to prepare them to work within the emergency response system. And she also recently opened an indoor plant shop called Cactus & Co., all of which are located on Camino Island, Washington. So welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because you're like technically our boss because we (laughs) both work at this plant shop now. So this is super fun. Yeah, that is kind of funny. I I should have put that in the introduction, like, and also our boss. Well, this is the plant shop we work at. We know you guys see this online, so. But um, I want to kind of start by just having you, like, tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up. And the reason I want to talk about that specifically is because I feel like entrepreneurs are really interesting people. You know, not everybody has the entrepreneur mindset in Mm -hmm. general. So I just want to like go all the way back to the beginning and really just like get to know you as a person and have you tell us about that. So I guess we can start out like where did you live when you grew up? So I grew up in Stanwood. So just, I mean, you have to drive through Stanwood to get here to Camino. Um, And I was born to uh, my parents. My dad is an entrepreneur, like through and through. I am definitely my father's daughter. We are way too much alike. It's crazy. Drives my husband crazy sometimes as well. My mom too, I guess. But um, but no, my dad um, was a contractor or still is. Um, and so he opened his own business when he was, I think he was like early 20s. Um, and yeah, so he was building houses. He built the house that I grew up in. Um, and he did that until the recession hit in like 2000 nine I went away to college and then he ended up going to work for Boeing and um and then just recently like a year and a half ago he got to open his business back up um and he retired from Boeing and then now he builds custom homes again and so it's really cool kind of to see like him doing his thing and following his passion I think I always knew that I needed to do that so that's so cool my dad did the same thing growing up he lost his business when the recession hit and then he started working at Boeing too. Oh my gosh. A little bit different ending for him in current situation, but yeah. That's yeah, funny. that is. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, to have a parent that lives their life a certain way and then influences you to, you know, follow your passions and, yeah. you know, follow their track in that sense and being like, oh, you can do this and like, I can fucking do it too. You know what I mean? Exactly. And like the thing with him is he always worked, but it wasn't like he was never around. We would just go to his houses and help him. So like I'll drive by, you know, the high school and I'll always point out like, oh, my dad built these houses over here and whatnot. Um, and I just have like vivid memories of like getting done with school and walking up the hill to his job site and I'd help like putty holes or clean up or whatever, eat like his remnants of his lunch, or <laughs> you know, candy that I could find stash in his truck and then we'd go home together. And so like I 
always saw how hard he worked. And then on the weekends, we were always doing stuff like work related as well. So then when I started my own businesses, like it wasn't this like, oh, I'll just be able to have my own thing and, you know, I can do it whenever I want. It was like, no, you work your ass off to get where you want to be. And then that's when you get to sort of chill out and enjoy the fruits of your labor. So. That's so important to mention. I feel like I feel like some people forget that phase. Like when you become an entrepreneur, you're like, cool, I'm going to be able to work whenever I want, yeah. like create my own schedule, have this freedom. But there's like a sort of hustle that's kind of involved oh, with it too. 100%. Yeah. You don't just get to relax because you're literally doing everything by yourself at mm-hmm. first. Yeah. <laughs> you're the janitor. You're the like literally everything, the oh, biller, yeah. the it's it's not super fun in the beginning. I was telling Jessica the other day, I was like, fuck, I'm like having to become a website designer to like create this course. I didn't even know that I was signing up to do this. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, do you have any like brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have a little brother. Uh, well, when I say little, like he's definitely not little. <laughs> he's full grown now. <laughs> he's but full grown man. Um, but he is, or four and a half years apart. So he's younger than me. Um, and growing up, we were always pretty close, which is interesting because we have quite a few years in between us. Um, and then he went away to school. I went away to school and we still like maintained being close. We've definitely had like little butt heads for sure. Cause he is just like my mom and I'm just like my dad. And so it's kind of funny, but, um, he actually is interested in coming to like work for me at the center. Um, so that's, it's kind of cool to be able to have my family involved in businesses stuff as well. That's really like how amazing of a feeling I'm sure that is to mm-hmm. be like, oh shit, my like brother wants to like work for me. Yeah. Like, does that mean I made it? You know right. what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, you trust me enough that I'll pay you? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um. So when you think of like yourself as a child or like we could say teenager too, mm-hmm. what kind of like person were you compared to like who you are now? Oh, that's like a great question. Deep question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super deep. Um, well, so like when I, I have like this vivid memory. I think I was in sixth grade and there was this girl and she, you know, sort of like an outcast and like she didn't have very many friends. Um, and I like sat next to her in like a sixth grade class and I remember her telling me like how crappy her life was at home and like it just didn't seem very like safe or healthy and I remember going home to my mom and telling her and I'm like she doesn't have like any school supplies she never has lunch like her clothes are always dirty and so we put together like a care package thing for her and then I like brought her to school and she became my little like friend and then I can't like I think she left school abruptly and like I she rode the same bus as I did occasionally and so um one day like the house was just empty and I was like terrified and so I was telling my mom I don't know like what happened to her I'm so worried about her her dad really scared her and I think that was like the first time that I realized that oh my gosh like people can be in really crappy situations and they need help um, and you need to be kind to everybody and all of that stuff. And then I really feel like ever since then, I like always made friends with the people who like needed help and stuff. And then what do you know? Now I'm a social worker. <laughs> so That's amazing. I'm kind of curious, like, do you feel like that ever is like backfired on you? Like looking for people who need help? Oh yeah. 110%. Yeah. Because I'm a, like I 
like through and through empath. So when someone's struggling, I take on those emotions too and I get really, really protective. So like I have to protect my peace as well and like have really good boundaries. But yeah, I mean, there were plenty of times that I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? But I do a pretty good job of not doing it by myself. I'll like loop in someone else. And so if I need to like check in, am I doing the right thing or should I maybe back off? There's always someone kind of in my ear to be like, oh, maybe you should stop. <laughs> uh, honestly, like that gave me the chills, the story about like that girl and you mm-hmm. helping her. because like, that's like the sweetest thing ever. Um, also, like when you're just talking about that, I think it's interesting how you said like you loop in someone else to help mm-hmm. because I think as like an empath or somebody that really does want to help other people, you often do feel like, oh, it's all on you. Like you're, yeah. you're the, what's the word I'm looking for? You're the solution to their problems, right? right? You need to help them. You can yeah. fix it for them. But it's like, you're still helping them if yeah. you're helping them find the solution. Mm-hmm. You totally. know what I mean? And there's this thing about people who help and like just the like the giving type of person that I've met a lot of people who really want to help, but they have a God complex. Like they are God and if I can fix your problems or whatever, and that's just not the person that I ever want to be. I want to like really empower people to like take things on of their own. So I don't ever want to be the only person involved because I'm like, then that makes like, I feel like that gives me too much power. I don't want that power over someone's life, you know? Yeah. And that also is like, how much are you truly helping somebody if you're just fixing it and then walking away you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. even if you do come back and keep fixing things for them ultimately it's like it's like um giving somebody a fish instead of teaching them how to fish you know what I mean like that whatever that thing is I just I totally said that wrong but you guys know what I'm talking about (laughs) the whole fishing thing I think it's like a proverb or something (laughs) I was thinking about like you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink yeah Yeah, there you go (laughs) you had the whole water thing correct I one. think there's, there's totally a fishing, a fishing one. one. I've never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, okay. Um, so obviously, early on, you were, you know, an empath, and you were like wanting to help other people. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like in high school, did you have a certain career that you were like, I want to pursue this as soon as I graduate, or were you yeah. kind of like, I'm have these feelings. I know like who I am and what mm-hmm. I want to do, but I don't know exactly what it is. I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, so ever since I was really, like, really, like, elementary school, I wanted to be a lawyer. Because my aunt is a lawyer, and then so is my cousin. And so this, like, strong, independent, like, woman thing was, like, heavy in my family. Like, my mom went back to school um, when we were little kids. And so, like, she'd go and work her full-time job, and then she'd come home and do college. Um, And so, like the women in my family were badass. And so I knew I wanted to be like that. Um, And I really loved law. Like I interned um, in high school for my aunt at her like law firm. And um, I just, and then interned like in college for my cousin. And so I just always wanted like to be a lawyer. Um, But I don't think I actually knew exactly like what it would be like. Um, So it, it changed after college, but so did you go to college for that at first? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, went, 
and my family had very high expectations about like doing well in school and stuff like that. So I think I graduated high school with like a 3.95 GPA. Yeah. And I was pretty proud of myself. But um, and then when I went to Gonzaga University with like the expectation of going to Gonzaga Law like right afterwards. But um, I I went into like political science classes and I just did not like it. I was like, this just doesn't seem like what I want to do. So I just think it's important to talk about because a lot of people are expected to know exactly their path and they graduate high school. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you want to be a lawyer. So you're going to go to school to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people get there and they're like, shit, this like isn't exactly what I had pictured. But then they spend the four, six years just sticking to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they're like, why am I miserable? (laughs) And it's like, it's because you were on the right path you know, mm-hmm. somewhat of a sense. Yeah. But like, you just not exactly on that right path. Totally. So how did you go about switching gears? Yeah. So I, so like freshman year was like a huge, like just transition of life and like being on your own and making all your own decisions and a lot of just like crazy stuff. Um, And I just didn't like my classes. I wasn't doing very well, which was unlike me. Um, And then I, I think I met like, I had like a sociology class and I met someone who was like, oh, you have to take this professor's classes. Like they're so good, but he's like really intense. You have to go ask him permission to be in his class. And I was like, okay, well, I'm up for a challenge. Like no one tells me no are you kidding me (laughs) so um so I went and met with him and he was like well I mean if you if you want to try you're probably not going to be successful but I'll put your name on the list and totally like and I'm like is he faking it right now or is this really him because he's really scary (laughs) um and so I started taking his class and it was totally like it's something he does with every single student he tries to scare the crap out of you to like see if you're really gonna do it um and then he ended up becoming like my most favorite mentor and I spent like years and years and years just like or I mean hours and hours in his sociology lab like doing research and like all this stuff and then I was and he would like support me through taking my LSATs and getting ready for law school but he was always like you don't want to be a lawyer I know you don't want to be a lawyer um and then I was doing crappy on my LSATs and I got into a couple law schools but I like didn't really want to go to them and he was like you think you want to be a social worker like you what you're telling me you want to do you want to do social work and I was like okay well I trust you so I just literally applied for the only like master's social work program that was still accepting applications and I got in and I literally started like a month later oh my god yeah <laughs> so I just got chills again <laughs> <laughs> I was like is this really chills or like, am I just cold? But <laughs> is this just my caffeine kicking in? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's really cool though. And I think that goes to show that you had a good mentor when, oh, you yes. know, he's supporting you and mm. what you're pursuing, but he's also like, Hey, yeah, just a heads up, you know, you might right. need to start thinking about this path yeah. instead. And when I think back about all the subtle hints he gave, like he never, he never like stepped in and said, hey, what you're going down the wrong path. He always just sort of guided me with like opportunities and things like that to show like, oh, these are some things that you could do. Really the whole entire time he was pointing me to the direction of social work, but I just had no idea. And, um, and like all of the different really cool like opportunities that we got to, we traveled to like present our research and the whole time it's literally social work research. 
And I'm just like thinking I'm just following my dreams here. And so that is like a huge thing that I try to implement in like every aspect of my life is like, how can you guide someone to what you think their like strengths are versus telling them like, oh, you just need to do this instead, mm-hmm. you know, make them, that's their decision for themselves. Super powerful. Thanks. Um, okay. So you mentioned that you had a really good like first job out of college that really like let you explore yeah, or like really get to like take the lead in what you were doing. Was that like before the master's program or was that no. after the master's? So I went, I went right from undergrad into my master's program, did internships. And then once my internships were done and I graduated from master's, that's when I had that first job. I want to hear all about yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and it's funny because that story about the girl, like literally there are pieces of her in like every job that I've had, which is just insane to me. How the universe works, like what the heck, oh, right? Man. So um, so my very first job, I was a CPS like social worker. So we would get cases where people would like, you know, say they're, a child is being like abused or neglected. We would investigate it and like sometimes remove kids um, and do lots of court stuff and have to testify and work with law enforcement and go into really, really scary situations. Um, and like some, sometimes I think back about that girl. I mean, maybe she was removed from her parents' care, like, because she was always dirty. She never had food, like all of these things that, I mean, she very well could or couldn't have been, but I sometimes think about like how scary her situation must have been and that I probably had plenty of cases like that. But um, but yeah, so I pretty quickly like started that um, job and just like I had a um, supervisor who just kind of let us do our thing. If she trusted you, she was just like, okay, go and do it and come back if you have questions, but I trust you and just do the right thing. Like follow your morals, follow your code of ethics and follow the law. And so it was really cool because I quickly just started like taking on some really intense cases. I only took sexual abuse and extreme physical abuse cases. So I was removing kids often um, and working with the court system. And it was like amazing. And I was like 23 years old or something. And it was really an awesome experience to have a supervisor who just supported me. And like, again, someone who would just guide me versus telling me what to do. Well, and how cool that you got the experience like within the court system too, when you originally kind of wanted to be a lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like I could sort of speak her, like we would often like, you know, work with our attorneys and we could like sort of speak the similar language too, and have that mutual respect of like understanding what her career was and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah. So you have told me that you worked with um, a police department. Yeah. Was that like, does that wrap into this or was that kind of Well, so like when I was working for CPS, I worked like really closely with like a few detectives who did like the special investigation stuff for the county. And I just like loved what they did. And I just thought it was super fascinating. And there's always been a part of me that wanted to do like the investigate, like the intense stuff. I think in like a past life, I was like a police detective or something. <laughs> um, like I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts, way too much murdery <laughs> shit. Like it's a real problem sometimes. But so there was something about working with them that I loved. And so I was like telling my family, like my husband and he was my boyfriend at the time, my um my parents like I think I want to like become a police officer and they're like mm, I don't know 
about that. And then my mom was like reading the newspaper one day and there was a job posting for a police social worker. And my mom was like, well, how about you do this first? And then if you don't like that and you still want to be a cop, then you can do that. Um, so I applied and ended up getting in. It was like the very first, um, like police social work position in our area. Um, so I got to like build programs and stuff like that. So, wow. yeah, the very first. Yeah. I mean, there's a pilot project before it, but it was their, their specifically first one. So I was their first actual social worker and got to sort of just like do the thing. So, like, what all did you do within the police department? So, I had, like, a police partner. So, like, there was two of us. We would go around, like, an unmarked police car and, like, work with people who were experiencing homelessness, like, opioid addiction, lots of different addictions as well. But opioids were just, like, rampant at the time Um, and just, like, all kinds of stuff. Um, We'd go out into, like, homeless camps. I mean, we would hike through areas that you would just think are empty, but there's just, like, a crap ton of people living in there. Um, And, I mean, at that time, too, that was when that city was suing Purdue Pharma. So there was, like, a lot of um, media. We had, like, French media come, and we had, like, French voiceovers and stuff. It was really crazy. But, um, But, yeah, so we got to do, like, build those programs out and, like, work with everybody in the city and it was just a really cool cool thing so uh, you worked for the police department that was like my hometown yeah um which is everett washington oh and um i think this is really interesting because i don't know if i've ever told you this but my older brother was wrapped up in that stuff for quite a while And my parents had kicked him out of the house and he was who knows where probably in those encampments that you were like walking through. I don't think it was the same time range as like when you were out there. Um, I know actually quite a few other people that were probably homeless and out there because I know a lot of people from Everett that got wrapped up in that. Um, But it's like near and dear to my heart, you know, and then like uh, learning that you were Mm -hmm. like the person out there that was like talking to them and like trying to get them help just like makes me want to cry, honestly, (laughs) because like I was like little and I didn't know where my brother was. You know what I mean? I didn't know if he was getting help. I didn't know if there was people out there who were trying to help him. And it's like comforting to know that there was, yeah. you know, social workers like you that did give a shit, right. you know, because it's tough. It's scary. Yeah, totally. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that was deep, guys. That was I deep. Love it. I I'm like, go, I could go tears. <laughs> somewhere with that. But uh, let's not cry. Today. Okay. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not, we're trying not to cry. Um, okay. So let's uh, fast forward to it. Uh, And this is kind of deep as well, I guess. But where were you working during like the recent pandemic? And like, what was that experience like for you as like somebody who deals with mental health and like you're in that field? Obviously, that had a huge influence on mental health for everybody. Yeah, totally. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. So I'm going to try to be as appropriate as possible. So, um, so when I, so I was working at a job where, um, it was in a, like a medical facility when the first case came through. Um, and I remember having a coworker who was like, this is going to be really bad. Like, it's going to be really bad. And we were all like, oh my God, it's fine. It's just like a virus or something. And she was like bulk ordering um, 
N95 masks. And we're like, dude, like somebody needs to make sure she's okay. Little did we freaking know, like, hello. And, um, and then it started like things getting shut down and the way, obviously no one knew the extent of what was happening. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But, um, we were not allowed to have masks. Only people coming in were. And we were still expected to meet, like, you know, how far away we are right now, just a couple, like, feet away. And we were expected to, like, have therapy with these people who are crying, blowing their noses. And we couldn't wear masks, but they had to. But then they didn't want to because they're crying and they're just not running out. You know, like, it was just so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was really weird expectations and protocols. So, and I was in this process of like learning that I had this beautiful space I could start renting and start a private practice and this other opportunity where I could work from home and do virtual therapy. And so I like pretty quickly was like, I got to go. Like, I cannot be here. Um, And I mean, I just... I cannot believe some of the expectations around in a medical facility. Mm-hmm. So so I left um, and then I did virtual therapy um, for pregnant and parenting moms and like on Medicaid. Um, and so that was pretty cool because like, these moms just needed like massive support. And so I was able to do that virtually, which was crazy. I didn't even realize like how big of a thing it was at that time. Um, and then I started the practice in June of 2020. And so, um, yeah. And then, I mean, people out here want, I mean, we're, we're pretty isolated out here on the Island. So, um, people wanted face to face to be in person and my office is pretty massive. So I could sit, you know, eight feet away from people and have safe therapy. So it's pretty nice. That had to have been like difficult though, as the person that you are to like walk away from that job though in the middle of the pandemic like obviously yeah. I do think you made the right decision especially if you weren't being given the proper safety measures to like keep yourself mm-hmm. safe but that couldn't have been it's not easy to walk away from any job let's be real because everybody yeah. always feels some sort of guilt for walking away from a job yeah. but like knowing that you're in the middle of a pandemic you're at a medical facility which is what the number one place that's needed right now Mm -hmm. during the pandemic and you were like no this isn't where i need to be right now did you feel any sort of like guilt for that it's a great question because um i when it when i start to feel like i'm not in the right place like professionally i tend to just get the fuck out And you should. (laughs) Yes. 100%. If you are not being taken care of, you're not being respected, like get the fuck out. They will replace you faster than you can even think about it. And honestly, my replacement was there before I even left. So I didn't there. And there were so many social workers and therapists that work for that medical facility that I was like, they're not even going to notice if I'm not here. And, um, and that's, I mean, that's how I was when I worked at CPS. Like, I think I'm burning, getting burnt out. I need a change. Same thing with the police department. I'm not making an impact. Like I believe I could be, so I'm going to get out and the same thing there. Um, and really, I mean, why I started my own, one of the reasons why I started my own thing, because I'm like, I'm not going to work for somebody who's not respecting what I can give. And so I'm just going to do it myself. And then make a place where other people can feel like they can come and work and be respected and taken care of so well and you probably didn't feel like you were really like taking yourself out of the equation of being able Mm -hmm. to help you probably looked at it as more of an opportunity to make a bigger impact 
during such a crazy time. Exactly. Yeah. And there was, I mean, there was someone who was replacing me. There was multiple other social workers who could help out and who had when I, you know, wasn't there or whatever. Um, so it wasn't, I wasn't like, okay, these people are like not going to get help. And I worked on a team of like psychiatric nurse practitioners and a substance use counselor and a peer counselor. So like there was so much support that I was like, okay, they're in good hands, you know, and then I would get to go and do something bigger and better in my mind so I like that um okay so you said June of 2020 was when you opened your counseling practice up here on the island um and then how soon after that did you come up with like the idea for the center for justice social work yeah so um well the idea for the center for justice social work was actually something that like I came up with with my police partner we would have days at work that were just like so stressful so we'd go and hide in this coffee shop (laughs) and we had how many jobs I've done that in I can't even tell you (laughs) like we're like we need to go I mean we're in a cop car all day so we could literally go hide anywhere but we would go to our favorite coffee shop we'd go into the back room and we had this composition notebook and we would just write all of our ideas about how this program could be bigger and better and what should we do and all these things so um so I had that notebook and then I started and when I left the police department I was like okay I have there's so much potential for this kind of a program like social workers belong in the first responder system I had all these ideas I couldn't do that there, so I wanted to go back to school, and I actually initially applied for, like, a master's of leadership program, and then on my LinkedIn, like, USC sent me this thing about, do you want to become, like, or get your doctorate in social work, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I do, so I, like, stopped the master's of leadership (laughs) program, applied for the doctorate program, got in, um, and then that's where I started just like building it, building the the center essentially. Um, and so then I opened that like officially July um, 2020. Wait, is this lining up? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah July 2020 is when it's I like developed it and um, like incorporated the business. But then it's obviously just started recently picking up. So I'm kind of curious just like because I'm thinking about you starting all of these things and I know somebody has an idea out there and they're like sitting on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious, like what inspired or motivated you to really take action on these things? Well, so I mean, back when I was at the police department, I like felt like a a bit of a void. Like, you know, when you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, fuck, what fresh hell is awaiting me when I get to work? And you're just like not jazzed about doing it. And so, and I felt it like there was just some, there wasn't anything I could change. I just like felt it. And so I started a mobile spray tanning business and, um, which is like, I mean, at the police department, I wore jeans and tennis shoes and like a plain sweatshirt every single day. My hair was in a ponytail. I rarely wore makeup. Like I, and I did, cause I didn't want to go into a homeless camp and like make someone feel like, Oh, look at you all nicely dressed and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I always just try to look as like basic as possible. Um, and then, so I'm like, I'm missing this girly thing that I love. And so I like, <laughs> I started the spray tanning business and like sort of taught myself about like how it worked to like work within like the department of revenue system and how to pay my taxes and, um, got that taste of things. And so once that was going, I felt like, oh, I could, I can handle like starting something else. Yeah. And it was from home too. So that made it easier to start. That's awesome. Do you feel like you like were anybody's therapist within like 
the spray tan booth? Well, it's interesting because so like when I started it, I mostly just did it for my friends and stuff. Um, And there's something about like, I don't know what it is with me and getting like super vulnerable with people, but obviously someone you're butt naked in front of me. Like every flaw you feel like you have on your body is right in front of my face. And so, I mean, I just have a way, I guess, about making people feel comfortable. And so, but yeah, it totally was like my, one of my really good friends, she was like, I'm pretty sure my boyfriend's going to propose to me. We're going to Hawaii. Like you have to spray tan both of us. You have to make him agree to it because we're going to have photos. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And like, so I get to her house and, um, and I'm like talking to her and he's like sitting right outside of the door and he's like trying to like prepare himself. He's so nervous. And, and then like, we just started getting like just chatting and he could barely fit into my spray tan, like tent thingy. He's like crouching his neck. Oh, I'm like, okay, bend down. Um, but it was totally fine. He was like, oh my God, I didn't even feel uncomfortable. And now he's one of my best friends. Um, so so, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I think there was an aspect of like therapy involved in it in a way. So, yeah. Um, so, and then you also have like your plant shop that you opened, um, before I get into like the details on that, I liked the question that like Haley brought up about like, how do you get yourself to just like do these things? Because I know, I know that you've been a huge inspiration for me personally, because I am totally the hesitant type Mm -hmm. where I'm super creative. I have tons of ideas in my head and things that I want to pursue, but I often am like, no, I'm not ready to start that. Like, I can't start that yet. Like, oh, maybe next next week I think I'll feel more prepared to yeah. like do that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like never have I ever gotten to the point where I've been like, yeah. I am 100% ready to start yeah. now, today. When I woke up, I was convinced. Like, yeah. I've never felt that with anything totally. I've ever done. And so then like when I started to work for you, you were like, oh yeah, I have this idea. Let's do this. And you know, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh shit, like right now? And you're like, yep, let's do it. And I'm like, oh damn, okay. Like this is inspiring. And I feel like you're kind of like rubbing off on me a little bit and like making me remind myself that like, oh, I want to do that. Let's just fucking do it. Who cares if I'm perfectly ready for it? Like, and you're never going to be perfectly ready. But I do have to say, I, I feel like a lot of the reasons why I feel like I can just go and do it is because I have a really, really good, strong, like, network and support. So, like, for example, the owner of the building, I, he was my chiropractor for years when I was a kid and, like, was like, oh, I just want you to open your thing and I want you to be so, like, successful. Like, how can I help you be successful? So when you can surround yourself with people like that, then it's like, oh, then I can't do these things. I can follow my dreams. I can do whatever I want because people are like helping me along the way and I don't have to do it by myself. Um, But I think there's a lot to be said about, especially in this like climate that we're currently in, how much you can do from home too is just wild and wonderful in so many ways. So I think, I mean, as somebody who deals with chronic illness, which you know of, I think it's been as horrible as this pandemic has been, obviously, there's been this like bright side to it to where employers Mm -hmm. are being forced to like let their employees work from home and like figure out how to make that work. I'm like us with chronic illness. We've been asking for this for fucking ever. You know what I mean? And they've been like, no, it's not possible. And now it's 
totally a thing not only that but i think about like our location of where we are and like outdoor dining this is so random but i'm just i'm thinking it so i'm gonna say it (laughs) outdoor dining in this area was not a thing because it rains most of the time and like people are like nobody's ever gonna want to sit outside me personally i enjoy sitting outside to like eat and stuff so like now we have all of these outdoor dining Mm -hmm. areas built out covered and everything you're not sitting in the rain yeah it's like these things are possible yeah you know what i mean it just takes change and it takes these big yeah incidents yeah initiative to like make it a possibility that was so random well and that's kind of though like opening the plant Mm -hmm. shop too because this is like the first plant shop on Camino Island Mm -hmm. right yeah and it's like it didn't exist until you were like I have this idea let's bring it to life right so I'm kind of curious um how did the plant shop become a reality for you yeah I so in my office uh, actually I'll back up even further so we um we had a house that we were living in in Arlington and it was like under like all these trees and it was so dark the lighting was just horrible and I would like really want plants but I would just keep killing them and I was so frustrated we even like when we when we were like putting in our offer to buy the house the whole backyard was a garden and so we wrote like a letter to the seller being like oh my gosh we love gardening and all this stuff which is like bs because no like I don't love gardening I'm gonna take it was the first thing we ripped out um but (laughs) but then like now I could just dream of having that garden because I when we when I um moved into my office I like got a couple of plants and they were living like they didn't die and I was like oh this is crazy it's all about like lighting and understanding like what they need so over time I just started getting more and more plants and I haven't had a hobby because I went to right from high school right into college right into my master's then I worked my butt off and then I went and got my doctorate so like my husband is always like you need a hobby so I found a hobby which was plants and then I had so many plants in my office that I would have clients that were like it is a jungle in here when are you gonna stop buying plants like this is problematic (laughs) so and I didn't want to stop because it was my hobby and it was fun so I was like well it'd be pretty cool to have a plant shop where I could just buy plants every week and like bring happiness and excitement to other people's lives in a different way that wasn't therapy so yeah so then I just bought a whole bunch of plants and put them in here and the rest was history and your plant shop is in the same building as your counseling practice so it was just another like empty Mm -hmm. space that the building had and they were like hey yeah I was like hey do you think a plant shop would be good up there and he's like uh yeah that's a great idea they even had like all these ideas of you could put like a window here and you could make like a pulley system so they wouldn't have to like carry their plants out and I was like (laughs) they were completely on board so yeah well we love it because me and Jessica used to not be plant moms and now we are we have like so many plants at home it's ridiculous I referred to myself as the plant aunt you know like I'm We'll look at your plan and admire it and tell you I think it's pretty, but I want nothing to do with the responsibility yeah. <laughs> or care for it. But then obviously I started working for you at the counseling yeah. place and then like help helping you now in the plant shop. And now, yeah, I'm obsessed with plants. Just like everybody else that walks into this place. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So big question. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start wrapping it up. So n- not too much longer, but I'm really curious. Like everybody, I feel like are as an entrepreneur or somebody that has all of these businesses that you're managing, you're always like 
wondering like what's the future like Mm -hmm. what's in store for the future for you so like do you have like a certain place that you see yourself in five years or like do you like what are you imagining for five years from now five-ish years yeah um well I think that my answer would change depending on the day um but what my real goal is to like have enough I mean I want like a, a more locations for like counseling practice because like mental health is so important and finally people are starting to understand like oh I can get therapy and it's okay and it's fine and I should do this um so we're gonna need more um and I my business model with like counseling practice is like I have independent contractors because I want to help people build their business I want them to be successful I want them to make money so they have a life and like can support their family and everything and also like take care of their own mental health um so I want that to be something that I can spread larger and far and all of those things um but with like the center like that's where my heart is 110 percent um and so I would love to have just like con- like contracts with all different like cities and departments and stuff like that and be able to build like a network where I'm not necessarily doing like all of like the hands-on stuff I have built like these people with amazing skills and supported them and like got them to a point where like they can run it too because it's like literally not anything about me anybody can do it so I just want to get people to be like doing it and them feeling passionate about it and helping as many places as we can um I mean laws are changing and environments are changing and it's just a really, really crazy time right now. And so we need as many of those as possible. So my thought is that like one day I'll have just like a whole bunch of people working for me that everyone's like within the first responder system, just like you would call 911, you know, and expect police to come like social workers will come. Um, and so that's my hope. And also that I won't work seven days a week. Um, so that's my goal for sure. In five years, I really hope I'm not working seven days a week. You are seriously (laughs) such a hard worker. I'm just like, it's crazy. You are working like all of the time, but I think it's cool because you're clearly excited about the things that you're doing. Yeah. And I have to say that like imposter syndrome is a real freaking thing. And I was in the car with my husband the other day and I was like, oh, I just feel like I could be doing more. I feel kind of lazy. And he like <laughs> pulled the car over and he's like, stop it. You ask anybody like if you're lazy they're gonna laugh at you that's ridiculous and I'm like but it's just that thing you know when you're like am I doing a good enough job am I supporting my people enough am I making enough opportunities like I want people to be able to learn and grow like how can I foster that am I doing enough like who am I to be doing this like you know I question that all the time which I think is a healthy thing as well but also like a like come on give yourself some credit I think we all struggle with that in some level Well, I just want to validate you in the fact that you are an amazing boss. I will first off give you that. I enjoy working for you like so much. And like I said earlier, like you're so inspirational and like just your work ethic. But also like your balance that you do Mm -hmm. have. Um, Yeah, you push a lot and like you're go, go, go. But then you also do, I think probably because you have like the mental health mindset Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, I need to like slow down and like take a break. Let's put some boundaries here. Let's take a break on this a little bit. I think you are really good at that. Thank you. And I I have to give some of that credit to my own therapist (laughs) because sometimes she's like, um, I think you might need to take a break. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, 
those were warning signs, weren't they? Okay, yeah, maybe maybe I should take a break. You're right. Okay, thanks for that. So <laughs> we all, even therapists need therapists. So, And I like that because I feel like a lot of people don't think that therapists yeah. have their own therapists. Right. So thank you for saying yes. that. Yes. Totally. I feel like every therapist I've ever talked to has mentioned their own therapist though, which is Yeah, awesome. and like there's an aspect of like we do have to have like clinical supervision and we don't have to. I mean, we should. We should have another therapist that we talk to to make sure like I'm making the right decisions or this was a hard thing. And so sometimes like that person can be both, you know, your super, like your I guess your your consultant or whatnot, and then your therapist as well. And then some people just have one they go to, um, but then you still kind of get that support too. Yeah. So that's good. I did want to ask this earlier, but I feel like it kind of fits in right here because you mentioned that you're an empath. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine that that would be really challenging with the kind of work that you do. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that's something that your therapist like helps you with? Or like, how do you yeah. navigate that? Well, it's kind of interesting because when I first started working for a CPS, I don't know how very well might have been a trauma response, to be honest, but like I could shut off what I was seeing at work the second I left. And I don't know if it was like something I did internally or maybe the stuff I was seeing was so horrible that like my brain did it, which I think could be the case learning from things that I'm working on in therapy right now is like my brain really protects me. Um, And so I think honestly, like when I see when a client comes into my office, I like my brain goes to them. And then when they leave, like I don't I don't go back to that. Um, There's a couple people that I will like occasionally be like, are they okay or whatnot? Um, But like I know like they have a way to contact us. Like I know that Jess is going to like answer their phone call or respond to their message or whatever. And um, so that helps a lot. Like, yeah make sure that I'm not too much of an empath with my work so that's something that you're gonna have to teach me (laughs) (laughs) because I struggle hard with that somebody tells me about something going on in their life and I'm just like the next two days I'm just fucked up about it yeah no but like I mean we've had this conversation recently where I'm like hey what can I do to like help you like in your position and you're like the one thing that stresses me out the most is like when people call and they have like really intense stories and then they tell you and it's like oh my gosh my heart hurts for you and so I'm like we have interns we have people that can help us like why can't we just have someone else do a little bit of that and then free you up because there's plenty of things that I have <laughs> for just to help me with. So why not take one thing off of your plate that isn't serving you and have someone else do it who really could benefit from that experience? So like I'm big on like getting creative on ways to like make sure that you're protecting your peace for sure. Also, I don't know if I mentioned this already, which I totally did. She's an amazing boss. That's <laughs> <laughs> what she just said. Um, I do want to let our listeners know that we will be doing a episode with Caitlin on being a supportive boss to people with chronic illness because she is amazing. So do look out for that. Um, do you have any last questions, Haley, before we go into rapid fire questions? Nope. <laughs> okay. So um, at the end of all of our guest interviews, we like to do what we call our rapid fire questions, which is just like silly, fun questions to lighten the mood, get people to get to know you on a little yeah. bit less deeper level. Um Unless you're into horoscopes, because those are kind of deep sometimes. But (laughs) anyways, I will go. First question. I usually ask people, do you prefer coffee or tea? But I know what your preference Mm -hmm. is. So what is your go-to coffee order? Um, My go-to is a 16-ounce iced triple Americano with heavy cream. 
that's very similar to what I used to drink when I could <laughs> have dairy. So yes. I'm all about it. Oh, man. What is your horoscope sign? I'm a Capricorn. Haley, do you know anything about Capricorns? She literally told me this before, and I was just like, I know nothing about Capricorns. I think she's the only Capricorn I even know in real life. No, I know nothing about horoscope <laughs> signs. I don't even know. I'm like, when is your birthday? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Wait, but what month is your birthday? January. Okay. Yeah. But there's two in January. So I'm January 16th. Okay. Yeah. I know nothing about Capricorns. I literally was blown away when she told me this. I was like, because I feel like most of my close friends are Geminis. Um, Most of the men I'm attracted to are Leos. Don't ask me why. It's just a thing. Um, And like, what, what about you? Do you have like certain people that you're close with that you know of no I feel like all my close friends are Gemini's yeah. too like you really? Tiana my yeah. friend Bach yeah it's so freaking weird we all have birthdays like right around the same time yeah that's so interesting. I'm a big like I love people that are born in the month of June it's a problem I go broke every June because I have oh, to buy yeah. so many freaking birthday <laughs> presents it's like please people that <laughs> stop. is so funny <laughs> okay um do you prefer the hot or the cold as in like temperature environment I mean the hot, but like I'm really ready for fall. So say a little bit of both. Like you like your hot summer months, Mm -hmm. but then you're also like digging when it gets cold. Well, I'm definitely a Pacific Northwesterner. Like give me a sweatshirt and some rain and I'm a happy girl. So I love wearing beanies 24 Mm seven, but I hate the cold. I don't know. It makes no (laughs) sense. sense. I know. It's very confusing for me. I love some combat boots. I love beanies, but I hate the rain I just hate the rain in general I think so you like like the fall style but like summer weather (laughs) yeah so like if we could just (laughs) let me live in a world where I could wear my fall clothing but like still be hot outside which makes zero sense I don't know combat boots with shorts are like a thing now they're so cute I got my first pair of Doc Martens and I'm obsessed wait what color black or white they're black yeah Haley just ordered white boots that's why she asked that I did they're gonna be adorable (laughs) Okay, are you an introvert or an extrovert or ambivert? Oh, I think yeah. that's like the middle. Um, so I used to be an extrovert and I'm now an introvert. So why did that change or how did that change? I mean, I think I burned myself out on being an extrovert, honestly. And my husband's a huge introvert and like life is just way more chill as an introvert. So I can totally see your husband mm-hmm. as an introvert. I can call that from a mile away. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 100%. Okay, do you have a weird pet peeve or any pet peeves? I have like a million. (laughs) Speaking of my husband, he'd be like, oh, yeah, here they are, this one and this one. Um, Repetitive noises are like nails on a chalkboard for me. So what do you mean? Like if someone is flicking their nails, Mm -hmm. I will lose my mind. (laughs) Um, Or even like my dog (laughs) – he does this thing where like he when he's sleeping he'll do this like breath that's so repetitive I will literally wake up like in the middle of the night and be like oh Murphy is breathing like Murphy again this is gonna drive me nuts like it's it's so bizarre but yeah repetitive noises I totally know that breathing thing that you're talking about with Murphy from when I talk about him I remember listening to him breathing and I'm just like whoa this is like so distinct he has really really bad anxiety and so I think maybe it has something to do with his anxiety potentially I don't know he's He's a a sweet boy he's a doll (laughs) both of your dogs are we love Willow too yes (laughs) okay any other weird random questions you can think of or no okay 
Um, do you have any last minute things that you want to share at all? Anything that we might have skipped over? Anything important that you want to share about yourself? Um, no, I don't think so. Other than just like follow your dreams and <laughs> do things that make you happy, but also protect your peace. Yeah. And make sure that you guys follow Caitlin's businesses on social media. We will tag them. So Cactus and Co. Kameno, Soundview Wellness, and then the Center for Justice social work. Justice it's social work. It's a hard one. It is such a hard one. <laughs> well, that's the one I like haven't really even like interacted with at right. all. <laughs> I just like looked at Jessica. Um, so we will link those in the show notes. But thank you so much yeah. for being here with Thanks us Thanks for having me, you guys. It. Yes, thank you.